Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we are talking about proof theory right now in the start of our third season of the podcast. And um, I just want to continue to advertise that, yes, I'm planning to hold a Zoom uh, class, like mini class, for Iowa Type Theory Commute listeners. And my plan is to cover normalization in several different type theories. And this is going to be in October. I'm sort of thinking like the last three weeks of October, one hour in an evening a week, evening my time, which is central U.S. time. I'm sorry if you want to do this and you're in Europe and it that doesn't work out for you. Um, my time is like really in a vice because of the pandemic, so I would try to be more flexible, but I don't have a lot of options because I take care of my kids all day and then I work at night. So um, anyway... Yeah, so if you're interested in doing this, as I'm sort of gradually <laughs> refining my pitch and getting my more specific dates, I'm getting more specific about it, so I didn't tell you dates yet, but let's say that it's going to be sort of the last three weeks of October in an evening. Like, for me, it probably Monday evening or Wednesday evening or something like that, you know, like 8 p.m. Central or something like that. Um, if you are interested, please send me an email so I will put you on my list. I've already gotten emails from a few people who want to do this. Send me an email, and I will add you to the list. And then at some point here, I will send out materials and Zoom links and stuff, probably shooting for like the end of September or start of October for that, um, to get that to you. So completely free. It's just a chance for you. Um, this is really more intended for people who are not like doctoral students in computer science or logic or something. This is I'm more of gearing this towards people who are maybe working in industry, which a lot of listeners to this podcast do, and um, are curious about this stuff and maybe want to kind of test the waters a little bit about going a bit further with learning about it. And so, um, uh, so you're very welcome. And you think, oh man, I don't really know very much about this. You're very welcome. <laughs> This is supposed to be for people who don't, you know, who are not already super wizards about it, okay? So, if you're interested, drop me an email. Or if you have questions, if you're on the fence and you think you maybe want to do it, drop me an email. And so, it's the first time I've tried this, and I'm hoping it might be interesting and fun, and a chance to interact more with people in our community who are type theory enthusiasts. Okay, anyway, so that's that part of the advertisement. Um, actually, while I'm advertising, I have one other thing. Um, I'm hoping that some people would be willing to consider cracking open their wallets and donating maybe a hundred or two hundred thousand. No, no, no. Maybe ten dollars <laughs> um, to support the Iowa Type Theory commute. And the really, um, I can afford ten dollars a month to host this podcast. It's twelve dollars, but I can afford that. No problem. But actually, I'm hoping some people might be willing to donate because uh, one of the little perks I get for this is um, that I would like to get a little bit for myself. Sorry for that. Is um, a little bit of recognition here at the University of Iowa for what I'm doing. And one way to get recognition is for people to donate tiny little trickles of money um, for the Iowa Type Theory Commute, right? Because then people here will be, oh, that's interesting. This random professor is getting tiny little trickles of donations to support his podcast. That's cool. And my department chair and stuff like that would perhaps would take some notice of this. So anyway, um, I will, I'm thinking I'm going to post a link uh, where, to, where you can donate just to the, you donate to the University of Iowa Foundation or whatever it is. And yes, so I'm, I'm gently asking that those of you who maybe like the podcast and feel like being nice would 
give a tiny, tiny little amount, like $10 would be great. <laughs> Again, because it's not really the dollar amounts, it's more just, I want to see, I want people here to see donations for this. And so there's like a little check mark that will go off, you know, when something comes in like that. So uh, anyway, um, something to consider if you, do, if you would. And I'll, I'll probably put a link to that. I guess I can put it in the show notes for today. That'd be good. Um, anyway, all right, so on to some actual topics instead of advertisements. We're talking about proof theory. And as we were saying the past couple episodes about proof theory, you know, step one of developing proof theory was realizing, well, first of all, it was sort of like realizing that we do have a subject of study that we should consider. The very, you know, nature of mathematical reasoning, we can apply the tools of mathematics to that and study that independently. Um, and that's that was a very important first step. And very, another very important first step in developing proof theory was was crystallizing the rules of the game. Like, what are the rules of proofs? What kind of deductions or inferences are allowed? Or are we, or are mathematicians using? Like, it can be kind of an in the wild kind of thing. I don't know how much that. It's, I don't. I don't think early proof theorists. I mean, early proof theorists were excellent mathematicians, so they maybe didn't feel that they needed to go try to test empirically. Well, what kind of deductions are other mathematicians really using? What kind of inferences are they performing? Um, these guys had, you know, if you're David Hilbert, you know pretty well what mathematical reasoning is like. <laughs> so you're you're entitled to say, like, I think these are the rules of the game. And there were a number of researchers, and they all are sort of reaching similar conclusions, no doubt influencing each other. Um, uh, you know, we need more historian of mathematics, historical look at mathematics to kind of know some of that sort of thing, I suppose. Um, but definitely these researchers knew about each other's work and interacted. So, um, but they were reaching kind of similar conclusions. You know, we have certain forms of inference. Now, crystallizing the rules of the game, though, um, was, uh, I think, I guess we can say, yeah, well, Frege definitely played a role in there. Giuseppe Piano, um, I was reading there on the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy article on history of proof theory or something like this, that actually he had very definite ideas in his mind about what the, what's, what kind of inferences he was performing when he carried out deductions in, with, from his axioms for arithmetic. He knew very well that right here I'm doing a universal generalization. Like I, I did some proof where I mentioned something X, but I never made any assumptions about that X. And so my proof really shows that the fact is true for any X. And then within my logic, I'm entitled to conclude the formula for all X, right? So, I mean, I mean, a basic point about proof theory is that we are, um, we have a meta logic in which we're describing our proof rules. And a, a lot of proof rules you can see as reflecting ideas from our meta logic down into this logical theory. So the idea that we're sort of having a, a, a general proof about some element X, we don't make any assumptions about X. And so that proof, meta theoretically, we would know that no matter what X I choose, that proof didn't make any, say it's about a proof about a natural number X, okay? And if my proof doesn't make any assumptions about which natural number it is, then I would know, meta-theoretically, that if I have this argument, everywhere there's an X in it, I could go through and take the X out, and I could put a specific number, like 8. My proof didn't care what X was, so no matter what um, specific number I chose to plug in for that variable, my proof would still work, and it would, instead of being a proof about X, it would be a proof about 8, and sort of meta-theoretically, I can reason and say, well, you know, since that would work, 
you know, since I didn't make assumptions about X, this kind of procedure would work for any X. So I've really proved something universally. It really is true for any X I want. But that's a that's a meta level quantification. That's saying like for any X I want, I could plug that uh, I could plug that value in for any value I want. I could plug it in for X in my proof, and my proof would still work. So that tells me that's that universal statement though is at the meta level of my language. And now my proof rule, say for universal generalization, just says if you have this kind of proof about an X where you didn't make any assumptions about that X, then you're entitled to conclude within your logic, not in your meta logic that's sort of outside or sitting above your logic, but within the logic itself, you're entitled to conclude a universal formula for all X. So this form of universal generalization um, was definitely known and sort of you know, appreciated as a particular rule of deduction I've read there by Piano, Giuseppe, Giuseppe Piano, the Italian logician. Um, but really, I think it's fair to say that the credit for really setting down the different kinds of proof um, uh, systems, the different ways you can do proofs um, in a variety of logics, uh, this definitely the starting point for that, that I think was really the, the, the definite t step was taken by Hilbert and his student Gerhard Genson, who was a, I mean, both of these guys were brilliant and both of them had contributions that have absolutely stood the test of time. Um, people are still using the frameworks that they set up a hundred years ago. Um, okay. I forget in Genson's case, he, he, unfortunately, he, I believe he was, he died in World War II. Um, he didn't. He was pretty young. He his, he made amazingly awesome contributions, and then didn't you know like like you find in history of mathematics, sadly didn't live to kind of continue those on. Um, so anyway, those guys, uh, you know, established, and they're basically there are three different kinds of proof systems that we can attribute to them. One is Hilbert style proofs, <laughs> named after David Hilbert. Who, um, invented this. I, I haven't read his papers or anything, so but this is attributed to Hilbert. Uh, and then what's called natural deduction and sequent calculus, two different systems, um, both invented by Genson, Gerhard Genson, um, and closely uh, related systems. Um, and these are three, I told you last time, I pointed out to you last time that for particular logic, there are more, there's more than one way to set up the forms of proof that you can use to prove theorems in that logic. And these are three basic approaches, Hilbert style, natural deduction, and sequent calculus, are still used today, and I think, I think it's fair to say are still pretty much the basis of proof theory. We will talk about other proof systems, um, other styles of proof, I hope, in this chapter, ones that I know significantly less about. Like there's ones called display logic. I'm actually interested in something called hypersequent calculus. Uh, so there's, a, there's other ways to go. Um, but the basis for much of proof theory was set by these early workers. Um, natural deduction and sequent calculus in particular are today you know, still um, very influential and you'll find um, probably if you crack open much of anything about proof theory, you're going to find one or the other of these systems being used. Extended, modified, whatever, but that's still kind of the basis. So, um, yeah, so the next episode I want to try to tell you a little bit about these, the details of these systems. Um, and for today, that's all the time I have. I'm, this is a, I'm out on a very nice um, early, late summer, early fall day here in Iowa with 
beautiful white fluffy clouds and blue sky and all that kind of thing. Um, and I'm doing an errand. So <laughs> I hope that you're well wherever you are. Feel free to drop me a line on email. I do enjoy hearing from people and I, I will write you back. Sometimes it takes me a little bit. Um, thanks for listening. And yeah, don't forget, if you're interested, even a little interested in possibly participating in this Zoom online class, it's a class. I don't know if that came through clearly. It's a Zoom online class for you, led by me, where we will st- study together some material on normalization for type systems. Um, if you're interested, shoot me an email so I can add you to the list. Or we can just talk about it if you're kind of, I'm sort of interested, but I'm not really sure. Um, all right. Thanks again for listening. I hope you're well wherever you are.